This organization. Do you know what it's called? Its name is Spectre. Look around you, James. Everything you believed in. A ruin. Why did you come? I came here to kill you. You came here to die. Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Film and Water podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and back this week to talk about the brand new film, Spectre, is the author of All My Pain, John Trumbull. John, <laughs> thanks for coming back, man. Hey, thanks for having me again, Rob. It's, it's a bit of pleasure. Yeah, we, we talked about this, John and I talked about this, like, I think almost a year ago, back before there was even a Film and Water podcast. I said to him, you know what, I want to have you on to talk, talk about Spectre. And John agreed, and so we've been just sort of, you know, this has just been out there in the ether for all this time, and now, now it's here. Um, before we we've get both to, seen it, and <laughs> both seen it, yes. Oh wait, I was supposed to say it. Um, before we even get started, though, I want to mention to everybody, since this is generally uh, on the show, we don't talk about new films; we talk about older films. Uh, for this episode, there will be a separate spoiler section, which will be clearly marked by some commercial messages and a little little message about spoilers. So there will be no way you will accidentally hear something you don't want to hear in case you are wanting to see the movie and you haven't seen it yet. So the first section that John and I will talk about, we will keep it as general as possible, and then there will be a separate spoiler section. So if you want to, you can listen to the first part of the show, skip the second part, just so we, you know, that way everybody can enjoy it. And if you have seen it, then you can hear the whole thing. So that going in, John... What did you think of Spectre? Uh, I, I personally, I really liked it. I, I thought it was very well done. Um, you know, you go into a Bond film with certain expectations, and I would say that those expectations were, were really meant for me. Yeah, I, uh, I went into it actually with sort of lowered expectations because I heard a lot of kind of bad things. A lot of the early reviews were not very good. So mm-hmm. I, I was kind of like, well, all right, you know, we'll see. I mean... I, out of 24 James Bond movies, there were only two that I would say that I actively don't like to watch. And Which two are those? Uh, two of the Brosnan ones. Um, okay. uh, not Goldeneye. Goldeneye I like, and I forget the name of the one with Michelle Yeoh. I like that one. Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay, so then the other, World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day. Yeah. Those I, those are ones like, like I actively would not want to watch. I but, actually uh, still have not seen all of The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, you're really not missing anything. Yeah, like it came out in like 99 and my girlfriend at the time had no interest in seeing it. So I just never got around to seeing it in theaters. So I've never watched it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I said, and that's an extraordinary percentage. I mean, Hulu just got all the James Bond movies. Mm -hmm. And like I was putting them on last night and I was like, oh, I wonder how many they got. And they got, I don't think it's like everyone, but it's close. And I'm like, I want to watch all of these. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there just isn't any one of these I don't want to see. Yeah, you posted like earlier this week on your on your Facebook that like you you just watched uh, uh, for your eyes only. Yeah, which I believe is your favorite. It right? is my favorite. It is my all time yeah. favorite. I just watched it again last night. I never that movie just makes me happy. So so anyway, I, you know, they're just I can't imagine a James Bond movie that I would ever dislike to the point where I was like, well, I never want to see that again. Now, mm-hmm. so that said, I was pleasantly surprised with Spectre. I thought. All the set pieces were very good. I thought the opening was great. The opening in the uh, that set during the Day of the Dead, it was yeah. was really very visually striking. Um, there's a great long tracking shot of James Bond walking the edge of a building. Yeah, that was. Uh, I thought that, that was terrific. Impressive. Yeah. Um, actually, I think most of that the beginning of that was one long tracking shot. Yeah, I think I, so. I yeah. see in any. I don't know if they had any cuts until. You know, Bond gets to where he's going on when he's walking along the edge of the building. Yeah, I thought that was a great. I mean, the Bond movies always have to have a great opening. I mean, it's just, that's mm-hmm. the standard now. And I thought this was really good. I love the helicopter 
you know, uh, fight. Uh, I just and the, the ideas of like helicopters are just so inherently scary to me because it's like it's like a it's like a plane. It's got all the danger of a plane plus giant metal blades, <laughs> rotating you know? blades. Yes. You know, it's just like that much more frightening to me. So I thought the opening was was terrific. Um, I had heard the Sam Smith song earlier. I didn't. I I made a point okay. of not even listening to that. What did you uh, think of it? I that was like the one aspect I'd say I wasn't very impressed by. I I I thought it was just kind of eh, you know. Right. It's no skyfall. It, it, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like actively awful like Madonna's theme song for Die Another Day, <laughs> but yeah. you know where I I was like gritted teeth by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I thought it was just uh, I, I. Right now, I couldn't even hum it for you. I don't think. No, it's a very slow ballad, but I will say that I actually liked it more in the context. I had heard it by itself, and I was kind of like, eh, it's kind of just turgid. But I actually liked it a lot more watching it over the credits. I thought, you know, the credits are your typical James Bond credits. I mean, although uh, it's the only one I could think of featuring a shirtless James Bond. I don't think I've ever seen. Uh, any credits that feature Bond without his clothes on, but they really love ogling Daniel Craig. And you know, it, it's kind of unusual to to even put him in the opening sequence, but that seems to be yeah. getting more common in like the Craig era. I would say, yeah. hey, if I was built like Daniel Craig, and who's to say I'm not? Uh, the, <laughs> I, I would, I, you know, I'd show it off too, man. I mean, that guy yeah. is built like a brick poop house as as it is. Yeah. So yeah, so I thought the opening was really good. Uh, I was, you know, of course. Uh, Happy to see Ray Fiennes as M back in the old wood-paneled uh, office and everything else. Yeah, uh, I did feel the opening where he's like, you know, all right, Bond, you're on suspension. I was like, this again? You know, like how many times yeah. can Bond be on suspension? There was one aspect. I don't think it's like too huge of a, a spoiler to mention this, but for, for most of the movie, it's like Bond on another personal vendetta where he's like breaking orders mm-hmm. for most of the movie. And... I, I remember thinking at one point, I kind of miss the days when, like, Bond was on an official mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? I think because, I, I think that's partly maybe because movies tend to romanticize the, the rogue hero so yep, much. Yep. And, and we always want the lead guy to be breaking the rules. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to see somebody actually hand him a file. You know, here, yes, go do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just because we, ha- we don't see that as much these days. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, like I said, I thought, like, the movie worked very well. I thought it had a, a good plot. It had good set pieces. I liked the actors in it. Um, I'd say my favorite sequence had to be the big car chase sequence in Rome, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool, which um, we can maybe talk about this a little more in the, in the spoiler section, but I, I, it did some neat things to kind of break the formula a bit like subvert your expectations which i thought was cool yeah it even had some some uh like a comedic touch the thing where he's pushing the other car the guy that won't get out of his way yeah and yeah. he pushes I, that guy that seemed like it was right out of the older movies you know because yes. it even it even cuts away to that guy yeah you know? it's really nice to see like the craig uh era embracing the humor a little more um because that's that's a big part of the bond formula too and, yeah uh, yeah well, that's something worth – actually, it's a good point to mention it now is that I do find that these Craig films in general are really serious. Like mm-hmm. they're very, very – and if you watch a lot of the other Bond movies, they're, they're very comical. I mean they really are heavily – sometimes in the case of uh, – what's the name? Sheriff Culpepper, a little too comical. Yeah. But, but these films are really, really serious and I, I wish that they would feel more comfortable in lightening up. And I get. I agree with you. Say, I think this one was like a, was lighter than Skyfall, mm-hmm. but I I do wish that they just wouldn't necessarily take it all so serious because these Bond movies are inherently ridiculous uh, in terms of what goes on in them, and so it's like if you take it all so bloody seriously, it, it makes the whole thing seem a little more than a little ridiculous. But yeah, there were some touches here and there. My favorite laugh. My favorite laugh in the movie. And this mm-hmm. is not again not a spoiler. This is just a moment. But it's and it was to me the biggest laugh in any of the Craig movies to this point is mm-hmm. when he's in that uh, medical facility and he goes up in the in the, mm-hmm. the mountains and he talks to uh, Doctor Swan and then he starts chasing after her and those two goons go after him and he knocks the one guy out and then he says to the second guy stay and the guy just freezes <laughs> like i laughed so hard at that because like yes that guy's like look, look you're just gonna get your ass kicked so yeah. let's just let's just save time i thought that was a great joke yeah i think like going into the humor thing i think like part of the problem 
that the the modern day Bond movies have is that like they were spoofed so brilliantly in the Austin Powers movies, mm-hmm. and the Bond movies they've always ranged kind of from like from anywhere from tongue in cheek to like outright camp for a few movies, and I think they're they're scared of going too far in that direction because they're going to look like a parody of themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and also like. The Bourne movies were a big hit, and those were like a little more hardcore, a little more intense, and so the Bond movies went in that direction. But like for the whole history of the franchise, for like the fifty years that it's been around, it's always ping ponging back and forth between the lighter and the the more serious, hard edged side. Yeah. So you know, and they just write for whatever's appropriate for the actors that they have, and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they're finally like, oh, well, well we got too big, and we have to scale it back. Scale back, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah Craig has an intensity that. And I think he he can do comedy well. I've seen him do. He just did a bit on uh, Colbert playing James Bond. That was very funny. If Colbert, it was uh, James Bond trying to rent a car. Uh, that was really funny. And so yeah, Craig can do it. It's just, but he is such a kind of a scary looking dude that yeah. I can see why you would lean towards doing these more brooding, darker films because the guy just looks like a monster. I mean, he just he yeah, looks like he would snap also, your neck. Yeah, he's also like really cut. I mean, he's like. <laughs> He's he's got to be in the best shape of anybody since Connery, who was who was like a bodybuilder back right. in the day. Yeah, Roger Moore was definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that was that was always my my issue with Roger Moore. I, I know he's your personal favorite. He's my Bonner. favorite. Yeah, I I always had trouble believing Roger Moore could kick anybody's ass. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, that's you true. Know, every, no, I completely agree with that. Every other aspect of it, it was like, yeah, uh, you know. But like, if I was getting into a fight with Roger Moore, I don't think I'd be. Too too scared, you know. Well, uh, well, uh, we'll uh, we, we'll have to see about that, John. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, a disservice, <laughs> Mister Moore. <laughs> uh, in terms of the the other members of the cast here, except we've got uh, Leah Sadu, mm-hmm. or Sadu, I don't know how you exactly pronounce that, as Doctor Swan, and you had Monica Bellucci, uh, and then of course Ray said as the aforementioned Ray Fines and Dave Bautista as, uh, and of course Christoph Waltz playing the bad guy, as everybody knows. Um, and the new Q and Money Penny coming back from the last film. Yes, I was very happy to have Q and Money Penny back. I thought that was really, I, I, I uh, it is a, a hallmark of the times in that the Money Penny Bond relationship for the first, you know, twenty movies was mm-hmm. unrequited, and yes. now these two are casually sex partners. I mean, I guess so. I thought Skyfall was played it kind of oblique, like you could say, like, well, did they sleep together? Did they not sleep together? And, it, yeah, it seemed like they were trying to have it both ways, you well, know? Well, I mean, in this one, she comes over, and then the next – they have that conversation, and then the next time you see him, he's in a robe. And mm. I always just assumed, okay, that was their comment on, all right, they have a – they have a you know, they have a very casual kind of – because then he kind of gets a little jealous when mm-hmm. he when he calls her from Rome, and you hear there's a guy in her bed, and he's like, who's that? Yeah, yeah. And so that to me yeah. was like he was just he was like tweaking her a little, like, well, oh, I thought we were, you know, that kind of like he's not seriously in a relationship with her, but I thought yeah. he was tweaking that a little, and I like that. I like that Money Penny is. I, I love that they brought Money Penny back. I love that yeah. Q was in it. I think Ben Wishaw as Q is great. That it's a, I really loved him, and I love that he had more to do in this movie. Yes, I yep. enjoyed him. You know, I thought like the last few films with uh, Judy Dench, honestly, they gave us like a little too much M. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like in Quantum of Solace in particular, it's like Bond's on the phone with her literally like every ten minutes, right? And I, you know, I understand why they did that is because like Judy Dench is so great at what she does, and they wanted to give her as much to do as possible. But it, it, it seemed to have Bond on a leash for for most, of the <laughs> which you know, you know, it's not as suspenseful or as exciting when he's like literally calling headquarters or headquarters is calling him all the time. He's got to call mom every 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and he like literally called her mom for yep, yep, his, yep, yep, his yep. movies. Um, so yeah, I wasn't, you know, although I loved what Judy Dench did in the role, I wasn't really sorry to see her go. And it's, it's good to, you know, freshen these things up every once in a while. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. Ray Fiennes is doing a great job. And I thought it was just, just the right amount of M. You know, yep. good amount of Q, good amount of money, Penny. They they balance it out really well. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And you, uh, did you catch that reference to Felix Leiter? Yes, there was a. I thought quick, that was great. A, you know, I going in, I didn't even know if Jeffrey Wright was in this movie, and it's always fun to see Felix. 
you know, especially like when they're actually repeating the actor in the role, mm-hmm. <laughs> because like, you know, back in the Connery and Moore days, they hardly ever. Every single do... time it was somebody different. Yeah. yeah. So, so you never got an impression of Felix Leiter as a character the same way you did like Q or M because they, those guys became so distinct from Bernard Lee and Desmond Llewellyn and, and uh, Lois Maxwell's Money Penny, And because they had to recast Leiter every time, you never really got that. It was just like, oh, yeah, this is some guy that they say Bond's best friends with. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Jeffrey Wright was terrific as Felix. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, he's always – I can't think of one I haven't thought he was terrific in a movie. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, when I, when they had that reference, I just thought, oh, that's great. Okay, they're not going to – he's not going to be in this, but he's out there. You know, he's still yeah. out there, and they can call him back if they want to. And I hope they do. I would love it if they do another – if they do another Craig film, which we'll get into that shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they bring him back for maybe a, a last hurrah in the Craig era or something. That would I, be I really it nice. Great. It was, you know – and, uh, you know, something else they've done over the last few films is they've even given uh, Bill Tanner, who's mostly like a character from the novels. They've given him more to do. That's true, yeah. He's basically like M's assistant or right-hand man. You know, he's like a higher up in MI6. And he's also friends with Bond. Yeah. And and he's also somebody the movies haven't used a great, great deal. And they've used like a number of different actors. So, again, you don't have like a real strong impression of the character. Uh, but the the guy they're using now, whose name I'm blanking on. I think on, it's Rory Kinnear. I think that's, that's it. it that's yeah. it. Exactly. Um, the, and they've used him for, I think, at least the last three films. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's been in all. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. He get, He has a decent amount to do. He's part of the team. Yeah, in this movie, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, he's neat to see, and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the cast, though, in terms, I wanted, I definitely wanted to mention Leah Sadu again because I thought she was. I, I'm really not terribly familiar with her. Um, I, she really, she's been in a lot of movies. She was in Inglorious Bastards. I don't even remember her in that movie, but she, she, yeah, she broke big though in um, Blue Is the Warmest Color, which I have not seen. But okay. I thought she was tremendous in this movie, and I think she has. I mean. Aside from the fact that objectively she's a beautiful woman, I mean yeah. she's just a beautiful woman. I thought she was magnetic in this movie, and every time she was in it, I was happy to have her there. And I thought she had a great chemistry with Craig, and I thought I, I feel like that's a movie star. Like she, to me, she has uh-huh. a movie star presence, and I liked her character quite a bit. And I, I said I thought she was a great addition to you know a, the last Bond girl in Skyfall was really not a whole much of a, not much of a presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that was clearly on purpose. They wanted to focus more on, as you talk about M, but here they give Dr. Swan quite a lot to do. And I thought she, I thought she was terrific. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't pop up until like a ways into the film, but she does have a lot of like fairly meaty stuff to do. Um, I, I liked her in the, in the part two. I don't, it sounds like you liked her more than I did. I thought she acted her part really well. Um, I, I didn't think her chemistry with Craig was as good as like, say what we saw with Eva Green in, in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. I thought like those two together were just amazing. So I didn't, I didn't buy Bond's relationship with Swan as much as I did with Vesper Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I thought, I thought she was good. And something I thought was interesting. This is like a kind of minor point with, but like uh, Leah Sadu, she's got like a gap between her front teeth. Yes. And, you know, it's it's very striking. You can't help but notice it during the movie. And I thought, you know, it's really unusual that they, they cast somebody with, like, that distinctive of a, a feature as, as, like, a Bond girl. Like, because it how – how do I <laughs> – you know, she, she was not, like, as, uh, like, much of a classic beauty as, like, what you usually expect of a Bond girl. And I thought that was an interesting way to go with her, and it gave her a bit more vulnerability – Hmm, interesting. Which I think worked for her character. Yeah, I just thought I that was intentional or just coincidental, but yeah, thought during the course of the movie. Yeah, I, I really said I, I agree. I thought her, I thought the Craig and Ava Green were, were terrific together, and but mm. I, there was just something I don't know. Just as soon as she was on the screen, I thought but she, I, she's just to me. She, your eye goes to her, and again, not just because she's very pretty. Mm-hmm. It's just she had something to me of like a, a real oof, I mean, and and I, I say she's she's breaking huge now. She's in a bunch of big movies that are all coming out. So I mean, clearly, a, I, I didn't know that, but yeah, she was she's certainly very striking. I mean, there, there, yeah. there's a scene where she like she's on a on a train and she walks in in this evening gown, and it's just like Wah. <laughs> yeah, and they give her a lot to do. I mean, she's not just a wallflower. I mean, she gets to kick a little ass. 
here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're they've gotten pretty good over the last I don't know twenty years or so about giving the Bond girls a lot to do. Sure, and, yeah. Like actual parts and actual arcs. You know, that's that's I would say is common more often than not now. Yeah, you know? that's true. That is true. Um, so yeah, I mean, over overall, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought the story held up quite well. Again, there's there's some things we will mention when we get to spoilers, but I, I I was, you know, I was never bored. I was never, and it's a long movie. It's a uh, two hours and twenty minutes. It's the, I think it's the the longest James Bond movie. I think. Um, it, it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Royale was one of the longer ones. Yeah, our... they've all been long. All the Craig ones yeah. have been pre- except for Quantum Solace. Uh, all the Craig ones have been been pretty long. But I, I was thoroughly entertained, and I liked the ending, and I just walked mm-hmm. out saying, "Okay, this is this fits in well with the other ones, the other Craig films, the other Bond films, and I'm happy to see it. And I'd, I'd see it again. I would yeah, absolutely, see, I, if, I, I, if I had I, the time, I would absolutely see it again. I think I'm, I'll try and see it again before it leaves theaters. It would be nice to see that on the big screen again. Yeah. How, how do you feel like it, it ranks in the, uh, in the hierarchy of the, of the Craig films? I like, would, I would, what would be your number one? What would be your least favorite? Uh, I think my list is probably pretty typical of everybody's. I put Casino Royale as the best, and then Skyfall, and then this one, and then Quantum of Solace. I still think Quantum of Solace is a good movie. I don't I, that movie's sort of like universally despised or something. I think as it came after Casino Royale, and like everyone loves Casino Royale. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't like that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm similar. I think actually, I I think I like Spectre a little more than I did Skyfall. Okay. I I do have like a, a few issues with Skyfall. I thought I thought Skyfall was good, but I thought it was a little overpraised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like when people were saying like, you know, it's the best Bond ever. Yeah, I, I didn't like, buy that. Yeah. I was like, did Goldfinger suddenly stop existing? <laughs> um, <laughs> Hello, Moonraker people. <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, my top three Bonds would I, I ping pong back and forth among uh, Goldfinger, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and Casino Royale. You know, I I, I could watch. It's a good spread there. Any of those, like pretty much any time. And um, so I think Casino Royale was definitely Craig's best. I'd say this one was number two for me now. Uh, Skyfall below that, and then Quantum of Solace, which it, uh, Quantum of Solace I think overall doesn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. It's there are some scenes in it that I absolutely love, but it doesn't quite add up as a story. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. seen it a few times, and I still don't think I could summarize the plot for you. Yeah, well, I, can, I hardly, yeah. I hardly can do that for any of the Bond movies for the most part. <laughs> I mean, the like, plot doesn't necessarily matter. It's more I mean, about there's the... a guy he's on the moon and he wants to create a master race, and I don't know. And then there's Blofeld with that women with the allergies. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I, it's, I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, like Quantum of Solace, it had a handicap that you know most of the other Bonds don't. Is that you know they started shooting it right when the writers' strike started. Yeah. So they couldn't really rewrite the, the script and make it go as go through as many drafts as they ordinarily would. So. And I think also the way it was directed uh, and edited, it, it it gets very confusing, especially in the action scenes where you're just like, you're like, what what's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know that takes that film down a few pegs for me. I yeah. look at it more of an epilogue to Casino Royale than a movie on its own. You know. Yeah. No, I absolutely yeah absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I think said this. I think it's a solid addition. I thought it was a really good movie. I, I don't think it deserves all the necessarily deserves all the criticism it's getting but again there is some stuff about spoilers that we will mention so uh, I think maybe we could wrap up here right do you have anything else you want to say about Spectre before we get into spoilers um, in general no I mean I think we we both clarified and yeah I think we should get into the spoiler stuff because that's where all the really fun stuff is that's right so <laughs> okay well we were going to said both of us both John and I recommend Spectre absolutely John even maybe a little more than me but I recommend it a lot I would absolutely say if you like James Bond movies Go see it. It's absolutely worth seeing. It's a lot of fun. Fine installment in this never-ending series. So we'll wrap that up here. Uh, We're going to do a couple of commercial announcements, maybe just one. Then there'll be a little bumper where you can tell it's spoiler time. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, don't listen past this point. And if you do, uh, join us back here in a couple of minutes. Director Fury, the internet is besieged with lame, lifeless podcasts. What we need is a hard-charging, foul-mouthed band of brothers with chemistry, big brains on comics, and personality. Personality goes a long way. What we need is the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. I'm the Legal Machine. Diablo Frank. And I am Mr. Fix-It. Let's 
Off iTunes. The Marvel Superheroes podcast can also be found on Shout Engine, the Internet Archive, and on Rolled Spine Podcasts blog. Your attention, please. During the engagement of Macabre, no one will be seated during the last 10 minutes of each show. All right, and now we are in the spoiler section for Spectre. So, like I, yes. <laughs> so, like I said, if you haven't seen the movie or you don't want it spoiled, you should not be listening. I know that this podcast is. Very captivating, but don't ruin the movie for yourself. Don't listen to the spoiler <laughs> section. So You've been warned. You've been warned. I don't want to hear any complaints. So uh, where do we want to start? I guess we should talk about Blofeld. Dunna! Dunna! After all of the speculation, everybody knew, the neighborhood jackets, everything. Yeah. Christoph Waltz is, in fact, playing Ernst Stavro, Ernst Stav, whatever the hell his middle Stavro name is. Blofeld. Stavro Blofeld. Now, there are a lot of people angry about that revelation because they thought it was such a nothing revel- like it doesn't mean anything to the plot i didn't get the sense it was supposed to mean anything to the plot did you um the the revelation that he was blowfeld that he's blowfeld i i, I kind of took it as a nice little bonus to bond fans but i didn't get the sense that the movie was trying to suggest that when he says my name is Stafford Blofeld, you were supposed to go <gasps> I, I just thought it was like oh it's a nice little bonus we find out that this guy has been behind all of it James Bond's pain his whole life. That's the reveal that yeah. he's the, he's the puppet master, hence the little spindly arms of Spectre. Yeah, they actually explicitly say, "Yeah, all, all the bad guys from the previous Daniel Craig movies." I was behind all. I was of behind that. all that. Yeah, it was Silva and uh, the Ava Green. I mean, there's there's a a shot uh, where you you see a a, t- a videotape. Of mm-hmm. uh, what's her name's Ava Green's character? Uh, what's her character name? Ava Green's uh, Vesper Lynn. Vesper Lynn, thank you. You know, a, a tape uh, that she was, uh, you know, recorded. She was being uh, questioned, and he looks at it and sees it and tosses it aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't get. Like I said I don't. I didn't get the sense that the movie's revelation that he is Blofeld was meant to be anything other than a nice easter egg for us devoted bond fans so i don't know why people were so mad that it doesn't land because i don't think it was really meant to other than just as a again like a little bonus i think i think it was like something similar to what they did in the last star trek movie where like the the filmmakers all along where they were like oh benedict cumberbatch is is not playing Khan, he's not right. playing Khan. He's he's playing this character john harrison and then they had this big thing where he goes my name is Khan, and Everyone was like, well, yes, we know. We figured this out months ago. Um, well, right. Well, see, to me, that was the difference is that to me in that yeah. movie, that revelation was supposed to affect the story. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't because you're like, well, what, what, is that? Who, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. But I felt that the, I felt that the big revelation was that Christoph Waltz's character is the guy that grew up with Bond. That's, yeah. the, that's the big revelation. And mm-hmm. then it's like a little P.S. Oh, by the way. That's not yeah. even my real name. My name is, you know, I my, I take my mother's name, Blofeld, and so it's like, yeah. oh, okay. And I mean, good lord, they for 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 the these movies being so serious, they definitely go full goofy with Blofeld. I mean, God, he gets the kitty cat, he gets the messed up eye. I mean, they. I mean, I'm sure when he goes to prison, he'll get his head shaved. Uh, yeah, and about, yeah. I mean, they, if we see Waltz again, we, he probably will be bald. Yeah, I mean, I really felt as though the Blofeld thing was just a nice little thing for the rest of us. Not. Well, I mean, I think yeah. it, you know they finally, after the whole Kevin McClory Thunderball, never say never again mess. They like the the Bond filmmakers. They finally get the rights back to use Spectre and Blofeld and stuff. So obviously, that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, you know, I mean, they get they get Bond's probably biggest bad guy. Yeah. Um, back, you know, of course they're going to use him. And, you know, the movie was called Spectre. And then we see shots of of uh, Christoph Waltz in like a Nehru style jacket. Yep. 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 You know, so it was pretty obvious to anybody who knew Bond that's where they were going to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would say probably you know, the more unusual thing is that they did give him more of a personal connection with Bond. Because, like, in the old continuity, within the Connery days, like there wasn't really a personal connection with no. him, at least initially. You know, he was just the bad guy that Bond went against, and it became personal over time. Right. Especially you know, during on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Then it's yeah, yeah. When, personal, when yeah. you know you kill a wife on a guy's wife on his wedding day, that's uh, 
It's going to get personal. It's going to get personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I can go back and forth. I don't know if I'm nuts about the idea of them having like a foster brother relationship. No, I'm not either. But I, it, I, I, I guess that was the easiest way for them to get him into the Bond movies. So, and I, I didn't feel like they're going to emphasize that too much going forward. So. Yeah, I, I guess I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I, I was fine with it. I thought it was again. It was. I, I keep repeating. I'm repeating myself. I just thought it was a nice bonus for the rest of us. It didn't mean it wasn't necessarily meant to be some giant turn. So, um, yeah. speaking of villains, uh, Dave Bautista mm-hmm. uh, as Mr. Hinks. Uh, I yeah. really like Dave Bautista. I thought he was terrific in mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. And I thought he was kind of wasted here. I don't think they didn't really give him anything particularly interesting to do. He's just a big muscle guy. Like, yeah, I, I was really kind of disappointed with that. He wasn't memorable in any way other than he was just a big guy that beat people up. And well, even even his exit line I thought was pretty disappointing when he gets the ropes tied around him and uh-huh. he just goes, shit. I'm like, really? That was the line you guys came up with? You couldn't come up with anything more clever than that to do? You know, I mean, he's physically imposing, but I just yeah. didn't think he – for a guy that shows that he can act – because uh-huh. he was in, he was very funny in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I just felt like he was just a big man mountain here, and I'm like we well, could have hired anybody to be that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they were trying to go like a little old school with the henchmen, mm-hmm. you know, and where like in like Goldfinger with Oddjob, you know, that you had Harold Sakata, and he's somebody who was cast basically for his physical presence and didn't have a lot of dialogue. And I think in the first movie they did with. Uh, Jaws and the Spy Who Loved Me. I don't think they gave uh, Richard uh, Keel that much dialogue either. Like the the Jaws's two appearances, like they get kind of blended together in my mind. So right, I'm right. That one, but did he say much in Spy Who Loved Me? No, but I mean, but both of them, Odd Job and Jaws, have a physical, memorable physical appearance. Mm-hmm. And I thought Mr. Hanks, he's just a big guy. Like he doesn't yeah. look particularly distinctive. He's just a big guy. You know, I mean, yeah, he doesn't, the, he doesn't do anything thing. quite as memorable as like biting through a steel yeah, cable or right. Odd jobs slicing the heads off of statues, right? Yeah, I just thought, I, I mean, I thought he was fine, and I just yeah. thought if they had hired anybody else to be Mister Hinks, I probably would have been satisfied. But the fact that they got a guy who clearly can do more than just be a meathead, yeah, I thought, well, they're going to give, you know, they went, they get, they got Dave Batista for a particular reason, and then I'm like, well, why? why, why did they? It didn't, you know. It was yeah. nice to see him beat the crap out of Bond. I mean, you yeah. know, just to see him really—it's it's fun to see Bond like actually physically outclassed. Yeah. And it was—it was a great nostalgic touch to see him get into another fight on a train. Yes, like yes. recall those great sequences in uh, from Russia with, with Love. Love. Yeah, and uh, what's the more one where he fights on a train? Oh, uh, live and let die. Live and let die. Okay. No, thought... no, no. The other one. Uh, I'm sorry. The man with the golden gun. Yeah, see, the, the more films, because I haven't rewatched them as much, they get kind of blended together in my mind, so I'm not always 100% certain which no, film. No, wait, I'm, I'm wrong again. It's Live and Let Die. What am I saying? <laughs> Maybe he, did he get into a couple different fights? I think he got on both. I think he's on both, because he fights. Yeah. He fights, yeah, you know what? He fights he, Jaws in one. He fights Jaws, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so that, that right there, that's either Spy Who Loved Me or Moonraker. I gotta go back to Hulu and rewatch these. I'm <laughs> okay. Well, that I'll give you notice. a good excuse. Yeah. I'm sure people will, like, write in and correct us both now. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, You guys yeah. are idiots. Yes, well, I get that every week. Uh, speaking <laughs> of speaking of kind of like a minor role, I was really shocked how little Monica Bellucci's in this movie. Yeah, me One she's, scene. Basically she's one scene. She's in it for, like, five minutes, literally yeah. five minutes. And there was so much publicity when she was cast. Cause, oh, like, she's a 50-year-old Bond girl. Ooh. Oh, the horror. <laughs> yeah. I love Daniel Craig. Just he shut that down beautifully. Yes, in he did. One interview where where somebody was like, "Well, this is unusual because like you know bonds with an older woman," and and Craig just goes, "Oh, you mean a woman his old age, his own age?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like th- there's literally I think maybe a four year difference between them, if that. Yeah, um, I think he. Yeah, I think he's like forty six and she's fifty. So yeah, I think yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, it was just it was so obvious that Craig just wasn't having it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I just I just like that no BS sort of attitude. Yeah, um, I, the, the, Monica Bellucci, please. And, you know, I mean, like give me a break. She's like renowned as like one of the most beautiful women in cinema. It's and, like a Botticelli yeah. statue come to life. What do you? Yeah, you know, and it's, it's like you know, it's a coup for them to get get her they're obviously lucky to have her yeah <laughs> so um 
Yeah, but I, I I thought she did a very nice job with what she she had to do. I would have liked to have seen more of her in the movie, but yeah. you know, it it worked out really well. And yes. again, that was another neat sequence that was sort of reminiscent of or tipping its hat to like another like other Bond movies where, you know, it was kind of like you, you see Bond go to the funeral and then he like follows the widow back. It's kind of like the opening of Thunderball. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, you know, it's also he's like dealing with the widow of a woman, uh, uh, the widow of a man that he has killed. Um, mm-hmm. which, that happens in Spy Who Loved Me with uh, Barbara Bach, I think. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and it, it, it's neat to see like the Bond movies kind of return to these tropes or plot elements, you know, and and them finding different takes on them. Um, like one of I, I mentioned this earlier like the, the car chase in Rome, which happens right after the Monica Bellucci scenes. Um, I love that, you know, Bond's got, he's driving in an Aston Martin, of course. Um, and he's, you know, you get to that moment where he's like, I'm going to use the Q gizmos. And then he hits the button for the guns. And then it just says out of ammo. Yeah. Not loaded yet. Yeah. I and, thought that was good gag. Yeah. And, and I love that. Cause like it, and it, it was, I loved it. Cause it was like just a wonderful, tweak to the bond formula. Um, and like, you know, of course he didn't have any ammo because he stole the car from out from under, uh, from Q. Double Oh nine. Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to be double Oh nines. Yeah. Out, out from under double Oh nine. And, and of course bond was surprised by that because he never reads the directions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he never pays attention in any of those briefings with Q. So of course he was surprised by that. And I, that for me was the biggest laugh in the movie. Yeah, that was good. That was funny stuff, and I love the, the the shooting the flames out the back. I thought that was terrific. Yeah, yeah. And then, like at one point, he hits another button. He's like, "Oh, well, this this cool gizmo will will save me." And then it like pipes in uh, the music that was pre programmed for 009. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I forget what the song was now, but it was that it was, was like another... a show tune, I think, or something. Yeah, like it yeah. was. It was something like that. it was. It was like the most unbond music you mm-hmm. can imagine. But yeah, that was that yeah. was a bunch of good gags. Yeah, absolutely. I, but yeah, it was a bunch of good gags, and it was oh, it was shot beautifully. It, yeah. It's a beautiful looking film, you know. Yeah, um, I should mention too when we talk about Monica Bellucci. Uh, I predicted back in the uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service episode because I talked about the trailer for Spectre. I predicted. Uh, some plot elements to this movie, and I was entirely wrong. I was, I'm like, cue that that Billy Madison clip of like, you are so wrong. The rest of us are dumber <laughs> for having heard your your wrongness. Yes, I, I predicted that Monica Bellucci. We were going to find out that Leah Sadu was Craig's daughter via oh, wow. Mon- via Monica Bellucci. Because I'm like, does well, that I'll... does that work out age wise? Uh, no, but I did. Okay. I thought. Well, first of all, I thought Leah Sadu was much younger than she is. She's 30. I thought she was like 20 just uh-huh. as an actress. Okay. okay. And the fact that they were casting a 50-year-old Bond girl, I thought, well, why are they doing oh, there's that? There's a reason for that. Uh, and that. Right. And every scene that they showed in the trailer of Craig with Leah Sadu, there was no romance. They showed no sex, none of them kissing. It was, uh-huh. And she was mad at him. And I thought, oh, why is she mad at him? Oh, she's mad at him because he's been like an absent father. I'm like, well, That's she did what have it daddy is. issues. She did have daddy issues. But I was so and and so as the plot's going along, and he he meets Monica Bellucci, and she clearly doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. I'm going, all right. Clearly, I got this wrong because she she you know he's like Bond, James Bond. But I thought, well, I could still maybe be right. And then when he and Leah Sadu go at it, I go, oh well, I hope I'm wrong because this is not the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the Bond movies ever going there with accidental incest. And I was happy. I was happy to be wrong because I didn't want them to do that. I mean, yeah. to me, you don't want to introduce the the son or daughter of your main hero because then you're stuck with it. See Superman, Superman Returns. returns. You yeah. do not want to do that plot. So I was happy to be wrong, but I will. I must own up to the fact that I was entirely incorrect, which yeah. makes me feel good about Star Wars The Force Awakens because I have some ideas of what I think is going to happen in that movie, Which uh-huh. be, and having seen Spectre, I now know I will be wrong about what happens in Force <laughs> Awakens. So I'm perfectly fine, but I'm owning it's it. Fun. It is fun when you can like accurately predict or guess something. I was, I'm still very proud of um, – you know the movie That Thing You Do, right? Sure, Tom Hanks. Yeah, that Tom Hanks directed, and it's about this band in the '60s called the Wonders, and they're little, literally one-hit wonders. And, and Tom Hanks plays the manager, Mister White. And 
I love that movie. Rewatched it a lot, and I was rewatching it on DVD, and I see like one scene where you see Tom Hanks sort of give like this extra in the background, like the once over, and I was like, oh. Their manager, Mr. White, is gay, and that fits with the Beatles parallels because you know Brian Epstein was was uh, gay, secretly gay in the '60s, and and then like a few years later, Tom Hanks comes out with a director's cut, and it's more explicit that Mr. White is gay, and I was I was so proud of myself. Wow, I didn't know any of that. I yeah, there's a scene the director's cut. It's like a longer cut, and there's a scene where um, Tom Hanks. It's like the Late at night, they're at the hotel. One of the wonders comes back, and he's like half in the bag. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, and and Tom Hanks is like w- about to go out to a party, and Howie Long is sitting there in a car, like a, in a convertible, saying, and 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 they're just sniping at each other like a like a married couple, you know. And Tom Hanks is like, "See, okay, I'm off duty. Now we can go. We can go now." Huh? <laughs> and it was. And it was, it was it was really cool, and I was like, I was right. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. If there had been Twitter back then, I would have shown it, everybody. Exactly, exactly. It was like the early 2000s, so it wasn't quite time for Twitter yet. Right. But, huh. Wow. Oh yeah. No, I completely missed that. That's funny. Uh, yeah. So I again, happy to be wrong. I thought this was a much better story than what I imagined in my head. So I don't want to see James Bond having a kid. I don't want them to do that story. Yeah. I'm glad that they're. I'm glad that they. You did. know, and it's interesting because in in the the novels, he he does have a kid. Did you know that? No, I don't. I haven't. I've only read some of the James Bond books, so I don't. I, I'm not I read that one at all. Yeah, I haven't read them all cover to cover. But at the end of like, okay, big thing to remember about the books is they happen in a different order than the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the book version of You Only Live Twice, Bond has like lost his memory, and he's living as a Japanese fisherman with, uh, I think it was Kissy Suzuki if I remember correctly. And like the novel ends with her, like she's pregnant, but she hasn't told bond and bond who doesn't have his memory, uh, no memory of his life as a secret agent. He's, he, he remembers like this one name, like Vallistock or something like that, a Russian word. And he's like, I got to go figure out what this is. And it's, it's basically like implies he's going into the hands of the Russians, Hmm. like, you know, completely ignorant. And, and you know, this could have been like the last, uh, Bond novel that Ian Fleming wrote, and the opening of the the very next novel, um, the Man with the Golden Gun, it it opens up with Bond brainwashed, huh. and he goes into he's brainwashed by the Russians. He goes into M's office to try and assassinate M, and like M barely escapes with his life. And then you know they give Bond this mission to kind of prove himself once again once they deprogram him, um, but. But they, uh, Raymond Benson, who was one of the continuation authors, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, he later followed up on that and did a, a short story called Blast from the Past, where you, where we meet James Bond's son, wow. James Suzuki. And yeah, it's interesting. Huh. Jeez. Yeah, I know I haven't read any the of those. The book Bond is very different yes, <laughs> in some yes, ways. Yeah. Um, in terms of. Um, do you think this is the, the the ending? I mean, this movie ends with yeah. with James Bond chucking his gun. He doesn't kill Blofeld when he has the chance. He puts him in custody, yeah. chucks his gun, gets into a car with uh, Dr. Swan and rides off. Do you think this is it for him? Do you think Craig is done? Craig as the actor? Yeah. Um, it, it could be if they wanted to. This, If they wanted be. to bring in a new Bond, this would be the time to do it. It could be a very fitting ending. I, I personally hope not. Um, I... Like, the, you know, there's been so much speculation over the last year or two about, like, who's going to be the next Bond? And, you know, like, the internet has decided, like, uh, that it should be Idris Elba. Um, too old. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, personally, I'm enjoying Craig in the role so much, I want to see him go on. Me too. And my understanding before was that he, he signed on to another two movies after Skyfall, but I just read an article on the a Hollywood reporter that apparently Craig is not under contract. That interview with Michael Wilson, right? Is that the yes. thing you talk about? Yeah, yes. where he, where he says true. that. Yeah, he says he's not contract. So yeah, that he's free to go if he if he wants. And he to. says he says like yeah, he's not contracted, but but we you know I think he'd be up for it. I think we can get him again, and you know I hope so. If for no other reason, I'd just love to see Daniel Craig break. Pierce Brosnan's record of four bonds. Well, that that's the other thing. It's funny that you say that because yeah, I feel like four 
is not enough to be yes. like an error. Yeah. Like I feel like you need to do five. Five, five is enough. Four is some went wrong. You know, like so four yeah. is just some some there was some unforeseen ending to your era. Five is solid because uh, Connery did six. If you don't yeah. count the uh, Never Say Never Again, Moore did seven. So it's to me Craig needs, and I really do. I love Daniel Craig is my second favorite James Bond. I think he's tremendous in the role, yeah, and I too. would, I would love to see him do another one. And I would like to see then if they do one more Craig film, a one-off adventure. Like I know that that's kind of yeah. not the style now. I think they want to tell like a big overarching story because that's what's going on in movies with the Marvel movies, Lord of the Rings, certainly Star Wars. They want to tell everybody's origin. Yeah, and, and they want. Like, that's the thing that cracks me up about the Craig movies is we basically took three movies to get to the same point that Sean Connery was in at the very beginning of Doctor No. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. at the end of Casino Royale, he's like, "My name is John uh, Bond, James Bond," and and it's you know, and it's like, "Yes, okay, he's the James Bond we know now," and then. Quantum of Solace comes along, and then they they do a little more backstory on Bond, and then it's like, yes, now he's the James Bond we know, and then at the end of Skyfall, Skyfall, yeah, now he's the James Bond we know because we've got we got the the male M, we've got the new Q, we got Money Penny, we got it all the stuff in place, and it only took us three movies and however many years, <laughs> seven hours of Bond to get yes, us here, exactly. yeah, yeah, to get to the you know because. They got to give everybody an origin now. So I like that this one just kind of just went into it and just did a Bond story. Yeah, um, I would. I, I would like to. Like I said, I would be fun to just do a one. I but I, 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 I'm perfectly happy with it being an overarching story. Yeah. But I would love it if Craig came back, did one more, and just did a one-off. Just boom, just a one-off well, adventure. Because this, you know, the, the way this film ends, it, it it's basically implying that Bond is quitting the Secret Service and mm-hmm. going off. With uh, Mal and Swan to go be happy. Um, so, like it, at the beginning of the next film, obviously you're going to have to bring him back to the Secret Service in some way. So, uh, you know, it only makes sense if they do another one with Craig. I think. Yeah. Because they have that that plot thread open still. Yeah, and then yeah. it gets tricky though, because then it's like I wouldn't. I liked her so much with him that I don't want to see them broken up. But mm-hmm. you can't have a James Bond that doesn't sleep around a little. You can't have a monogamous James Bond. Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do with He's that. He's like, I better kill this supervillain soon. I've got to be home for <laughs> six for bridge. Yeah, exactly. You know, come on, honey. We have, yeah, we have, you know, we have, we have dinner with the lighters. You know, like, you know, <laughs> we're going to the club. Going to the club. I'm busy. Um, so yeah, it'll be. It would be interesting to see if. If I hope, said, I hope they can get him back because I think I think yeah. he's been great. I know but he's also, complaining a lot, but I, I think that's just because he's tired right now. Yeah, in the middle I, of all. I of took this. that. Everybody was taking that as like, oh, he's never doing another Bond film. But I was just like, no, he's he's just obviously burnt out. Yeah, I'm doing um, doing the publicity is probably even worse than doing the movie. Yeah, that's got to be grueling in its own way. But I mean, just the, these movies they take the better part of a year to shoot. Craig's in. Pretty much every single every single scene. scene. Yeah, there's a ton of stunt work. He's in his mid 40s, you know, and that's not as easy as when you're like in your late 30s. No, it's and not. You know, it makes yeah. I mean, we're both in our 40s now, and <laughs> you know, we don't. You, you don't have the stamina that you used to, and yeah. So I, I just took that as yeah. He's burned out. Craig put it really well on an appearance on the Today Show. And I think he was quoting his director, uh, Sam Mendes, who did the last two Bond films. And, and he said, uh, like, when you're in the last few feet of a marathon, you know, if, if somebody asks you, do you want to run a met- another marathon when you're, like, approaching the finish line, you're going to have a two-word response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, so I think that's where Craig was coming from. It was just like, I'm burned out. I need to recharge my batteries. Yeah, and I want to go do other movies. I mean, yeah. Craig, and on this Today Show interview, he was much more pleasant and, and sounded much more amenable to doing another Bond film. There so, you go. Perfect. Yeah. And, you know, especially since it's the 25th Bond film, or it will be the 25th Bond that's film. That's right, I, yeah. It would be nice to see him come back for that. Like, you know, Brosnan's last turned out to be the 20th. I hmm. think it would just be some nice symmetry if it was the 25th Bond film, and that's Daniel Craig's last hurrah, and then we bring somebody else in as Bond for the new decade. You yeah. 
Uh, I was I read a piece uh, by uh, a friend of mine, Phil Nobile Jr., who writes for Birth Death Mo- Birth Death Movies, Birth Movies mm-hmm. Death, actually. And he wrote this very nice piece about his history with the James Bond films. And he oh, I read that. Dad. I read yeah, that this wonderful week. piece. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful piece. I didn't realize you knew him. Yeah, yes. and uh, he makes an observation, and uh, it's something that's that, that really kind of <laughs> really got under my skin. I hadn't thought about it. That he thinks that he might be at the point where he's done with James Bond. Because it's just he realizes the next James Bond is going to be younger than he is. Yeah, and that'll be true for me. I'll be like, oh my god, he's right. The next James Bond is not going to be forty-five years old. The next James Bond is going to be probably late thirties. And I'm like, yeah. How do I feel about that? How do it's I <laughs> sort of milestone? It's like uh, I, I've heard it that same sort of thought expressed another way, where it's like. Like the day you look at a Playboy centerfold and then she's younger than you, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it, it's a weird sort of milestone. I mean, it's not huge in, in the grand scheme of things, but it is it is really weird. Like I, I know like when Frank Miller, when he was doing the Dark Knight Returns in, in the comic book world, part of the motivation behind that was he had just turned 30 and he realized like, I'm now officially older than Batman, who's like perpetually 29. Right, right, right. And he's like, I can't be older than Batman. That doesn't make sense. I got to make Batman older and like put him in his 50s. Yes. And that's that's kind of how Dark Knight got started. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, th- I think part of it is because like if Bond is older than you, you still potentially have time to become Bond, <laughs> you know, because yeah, Bond, sure. Bond is like, you know, he's every 12 year old boy's. Oh, ideal the fantasy, sure, yeah, yeah. Fantasy. You know, he gets he gets to run around the world. He gets to travel. He gets to use all these cool gizmos. He gets to kill people with no consequences, and he gets to sleep with women literally seconds after meeting them. In some cases, who throw themselves at him. I mean, he doesn't yes. even have to put any effort. I mean, he's like, "My name's Bond," and and the woman's like, "Take me now." And, <laughs> you know, and as you reach adulthood, you realize th- this may not be strictly true. <laughs> I have, I have to speak to Cubby Broccoli. I, my life has not turned out the way that he promised. I had distorted expectations yeah. going into adulthood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it interesting. I mean, my my, I don't think I will have a problem with Bond being younger than me simply because I have not had any problem enjoying the Bond films. Yeah. That might be a separate thing with Star Wars, but that's a separate discussion for another episode of the show. But yeah. but so far, I've enjoyed all the James Bond movies, and I haven't. I feel like I haven't kind of like aged out of them. There isn't a line in the sand where I go, "Every James Bond movie past 1989 sucks is terrible, and the ones before yeah. it are all awesome." Well, that means that at a certain age, you just kind of got out of being into James Bond. But I haven't had that problem yet. So I think that if they cast Damian Lewis or you know, go crazy and make it Emily Blunt or something. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have that problem because I just, what, like I said, my average of liking these movies is extremely high. What, what what do you think of that? This might be opening a huge can of worms, but what do you think of them, like, you know, shaking up the formula a big way and, you know, doing, like, a black James Bond or a gay James Bond or a female James Bond? Do you think they should do that? Do you think that's a good idea? I don't think they should do it just to do it, but uh, I think if they decide, you know, if Craig, after the next movie, uh, and, you know, they wrap it up well, you know, and Craig puts a nice exclamation mark on his era, and then he's like, you know, we're not leaving under bad circumstances. Um, I mean, because virtually all the Bonds have left under kind of under bad circumstances, sort of. Roger Connery walked away kind of disgusted. Yeah. More left because he just realized he got too old, which is not really a bad ending. It just, it just kind of like... Just, I think he left on civil terms. Yeah, civil terms. Just, yeah, I think yeah. he just realized, I'm 57. I'm, I'm just too old for this. And I think he was close friends with, like, the Broccolis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even yeah. after he left the role. Right, yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah. Dalton, that that era got cut short, and the, the Dalton yeah. and the uh, Brosnan one kind of got cut short. Like Brosnan is still sad that he didn't get to keep doing it. Yeah, the, the, it seemed like they let Brosnan go in a very abrupt, yeah. rude way. You know, like I think they they fired him by telegram. Something, which, yeah, weird. Yeah, which just it seems a shame. You know, I mean, yeah. I realize you got to make those tough decisions when you're in charge of that franchise because you know you got to realize when the time is to freshen it up because you yeah. don't want to do that stuff too late. But yeah. there's got to be a nicer way to go about it. You know, Brosnan rated a phone call at the very least. Yeah, I would say so. so, know, take, so him yeah. out, take him out to dinner, give him a gold watch from, from Q. And... There you go. Exactly. Yeah, well, you get to go to the old club with Connery and Moore and Lazenby. They're all hanging out. You're part of the group now. So anyway, if they end 
Craig's Arrow well, mm-hmm. and then they just say, okay, it's just time to, to freshen it up. It, uh, my attitude would be you you invite everybody to a reading. You don't you don't limit it to a male white. I think he's got to be British. I, I, to me, he has to be yeah. British. But other than that, if some guy comes in and, uh, you know, if Emily Blunt – I wouldn't want it to be Emily Blunt because she's too famous to me. I mean part of mm-hmm. the reason you wanted James Bond is that they're not as famous when they get the role. But if yeah. somebody like Emily Blunt comes in and they just go, you know what? She was the best one. Then do it. You know, that that would be my attitude. It would mm. be – and then you say – well, now we have new new territory to explore because we're, we're doing something we haven't done before. We've never had a female James Bond. We've never had a black James Bond. But to me, it's like, who's the best one? Who comes in and blows you away and you just look and yeah. say, that could be 007? Give it to them. And yeah. maybe that opens new doors for you. Maybe it doesn't. But that would that's my feeling would be. That would I, be I, think, I, I think I'm like maybe a little more conservative than you. And and that is I I'm not necessarily sold on that being a good idea beyond like the the shock value mm-hmm. of it, which doesn't strike me as a good enough reason to no, do it. No, because it could be everything that wears off very quickly. Yeah, yeah, it, it, the novelty would wear off very quickly, and also it's like, well, if you change that much about Bond, isn't it basically like a new character? Yeah, all but name. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they just started up a new Supergirl TV show, and uh, the guy playing. Jimmy Olsen on there is an African-American actor who I think has a modeling background. And he's the, this huge hunk of a guy. Yeah. I mean, his shoulders are like two miles wide. He's a big dude, yeah. He's a big dude. And he's, he, you know, even when he's into like a suit and tie, you can just tell he's like very muscular. And I have trouble getting into him in the role. Uh, not so much because of the race thing, but because he's he's this hunky guy. Right. And it's like no version of Jimmy Olsen I've ever seen ever. So right. I can't really process. And they're even calling him James Olsen. Right. So there's a, there's a real disconnect there for me. And it's like, well, if he's char- if he's different in everything but name, why not just do a new character? Yeah. No, I see that. You know? Yeah. So that that's kind of where I come from. I, like the the when they want to recast characters, you know, and 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 have them be a different race. And I think it's usually very commendable and it comes from a good place because you want it to reflect a more diverse world than when a lot of these characters were created. So I just have to take this stuff on a case by case basis. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like sometimes I, I hear that and I'm like, Oh, that's a really good idea. Like I was really excited about Billy D Williams potentially playing two face. I thought he was, you know, a wonderful mm-hmm. choice for Harvey oh, yeah. Dent. Yep. 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 And, uh, you know, other times I'm just like, Oh, why are they doing that? And yeah. So, yeah, I, I said it, it, it would, if they won't go traditional, that's fine. But if that if if somebody else comes in that is just is really different and they blows the doors off the place, then then give it to them and we'll. Yeah. And the great thing about James Bond is, you know, if it doesn't work, you cut him loose and you just say that was a failed experiment and then you move on. You know, I mean, yeah. the people are that's very true. accepting. That's um, it's so amazing the way that they've been able to sustain this series for so long by just like changing it bit by bit over time, but mm-hmm. keeping certain things the same. It's a, it's a very tricky balancing act and they've done a overall brilliant job. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to ask you about before we, before we wrap up. And as I knew it, the spoiler section is way longer than the regular opening <laughs> section of the show is th- this series is fortunate in that all of the free be- previous James Bonds are still with us. They're all still around. That's true. Yeah. Uh, which is remarkable when you're considering the series is 50 years old. I mean, there are TV shows that are way long, way sh- younger than 50, then half of them are dead. Yeah, um, it's true. But all of the Bonds are still with us. And would you like to see them bring back one of the Bonds in another role? Or do you think that would be distracting? That's another thing I'm I'm sort of of two minds about. Um, like in Skyfall, the the Scottish groundskeeper right. clearly was supposed to be was supposed to be Sean Connery. They're never going to convince me that that wasn't supposed to be Connery. Yeah. Um. You know, and it would have been a kick to see him, but yeah, it could have really taken you out of the movie towards the end. Um, yep. And Albert Finney did a very nice job. I love Albert Finney. I yeah. love Albert Finney. So I was complete. I, I would have loved to have seen Connery, but no problems having it being Albert Finney. Yeah. I just, to I, me, I'm like, if I made a movie, I would want him in my movie. I just give yeah. him a part because I love him. Connery had a great line. You know, like an interview once once asked him, he was like, "Would you ever come back to the Bond series as a villain?" And he just said, "Oh, I've considered me a villain ever since I stopped you." <laughs> and I was just like, "That's perfect." Um, that's why we love Connery. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I think I'd come down on the side. It might be too distracting in a movie. It, it, it would, it would be fun, but yeah, it would. I was really disappointed when like the the 50th anniversary rolled around a couple of years ago. There was talk about all the bonds coming together for a thing at the Academy Awards. Yeah, that didn't quite. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen that happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, it it's one of those things where it has to be all or nothing or everything or nothing. Oh, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you. So yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd want to see that happen. It might be too cutesy. I almost feel as though that they wouldn't fit in the Craig era because these movies are so serious. But if they yeah. lightened it up, then you could do it. I just love Roger Moore so much. And he's so sort of embraced his role as James Bond. Like he's so mm-hmm. comfortable being an ex-Bond that yeah. I would just love to see him in it. I would just like he's to see him just so in, just as a you know a small part. Like, oh, look, it's Roger Moore yeah, playing. He's you know, whatever. He's charming. Yeah, I yeah. To meet Roger Moore once upon a time. He, he did a cameo role in a uh, – a play that had a tryout on Broadway called the play of what I wrote. It was like a big hit over in England. And, and like part of the thing is that they bring in a different celebrity to like kind of have fun and romp around with the actors. And they did a tryout in New York and it was, it was Roger Moore. Wow. Yes. And we, and my friend and I, we waited uh, at the stage door and, you know, Roger Moore signed our playbills. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and it, you know, we were like, oh, how long are you with the show? And he's like, well, I'm not supposed to say, but uh, I'll be in it until blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was just like, I'm in a James Bond. That's and, fantastic. And he's not even my favorite Bond, but it's still just such a thrill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I also met... Lazenby at a couple conventions. Oh man, jeez! <laughs> oh, awesome. I know we're running long, but do you want me to tell the Lazenby story? Go ahead, tell the Lazenby okay. story. So the first time I, I met Lazenby, it was at a a, uh, a convention here in New Jersey, and he was signing stuff. And as I said before, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is one of my favorite Bond films, if if not my favorite. And I wanted to have him sign it, and you know, I talked to him. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's it's such a great film and you're so good in it. And he just said, like, well, I tried my best. And, you know, there was a certain poignancy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell that it was it was still kind of a major regret in his life because he was sure, you know, he got a big head and he, he was like, I'm not going to do this Bond stuff anymore. I'm a big star now. And um, <laughs> but he was I think he was charging something like. $35 for his autograph. Okay. Which is A, more than I paid for the DVD, and B, more money than I had on me at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, I was like, oh, I don't have that much money on me right now. I'm going to go borrow it from my friend over there. And then I walked off and I never came back to his table. Oh. <laughs> and I feel horrible about that. But. I did put it right a few years later. I, I, a few years later, he was at the same con again, and, and this time I did have enough money, and I went and got him to sign my copy of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, fantastic. So, we're all good. I screwed him over once, but I, I made it right later on. Good. Yeah, I, I would I would pay whatever I had to to get an autograph from him. He yeah, seems like such I, a fun guy. Yeah, he, and and he's he's aged like very gracefully you know yes very silver fox that's the exact phrase i was thinking of yes yeah 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 i so i would love to see any of them i really would i would be i I know it would take me out of the movie but i don't care ultimately i was like i don't really care honestly it it could be really interesting with with like brosnan because he's you know he's done some other movies like he's touched on espionage stuff mm-hmm. in some movies. Yeah, the Taylor of Panama, oh. yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, and and he's he's always got a harder edge to him than he ever did as Bond. Yeah, yeah. And it would be really interesting with like the subtext if he's like coming back against Craig and he's like, "Well, listen here, you young upstart." Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I that I could see working if it was just Brosnan, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It just I said it just occurred to me that it's like we are so fortunate that all the Bonds are still with us. Take advantage of that. Like somebody, somebody take advantage until you can't because it's going to happen kind of soon. I mean, not to be grim, yeah. but these guys yeah. are, these are older guys. They have a limited amount of time left. You I mean, know, so more, I think is actually uh, uh, like got a couple years on Connery. Yeah. He's the oldest. Moore's the oldest. I think he's yeah. 80 now. So it's like, and he looks great. So to me, it's like, d- do it, you know, just get, yeah. I know it might even distract from the movie for a minute, but who cares? 
get him to do it just to just to have. I think it would be super fun. So, uh, well, anyway, I guess that is going to do it for Spectre. Both Jen and I, we love James Bond movies, as you can tell. We're <laughs> this was nearly as long as the movie. Yeah, we this. Yeah, we are now. This is the longest episode of the Film Water Podcast. So, uh, <laughs> we love them. We really like Spectre. And go see it. It was a lot of fun, and we will be super excited for the next Bond film, Bond and, 25. And they put the gun barrel sequence back at the beginning as God intended. Fanta- yes. I, I forgot so, about that. I, yes. Like, that was the first thing I saw, and I was so excited about that. That the, yeah. You know, after a couple films, putting it at the end, which I didn't really like, you know, I was just so glad they they put it right back. Yep. Yep. So. Thank you. Love that blood, <laughs> blood dripping down on the screen. It's just fantastic. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, uh, John is going to be back uh, probably early 2016 to talk about another James Bond movie. And uh, so pretty much any time we do a James Bond movie, John's going to be on because John threatened me if I do another Bond movie without him. He's going to give me That's true. Yeah, and you've already done Honor Majesty's Secret I Service. apologize. That was Mike Gillis' no, idea. Don't blame me. It's okay. You didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. So, but, uh, yeah, we love talking about James Bond, and there's so many to talk about. So, John, thanks so much, man, for coming back two weeks in a row. Uh, oh. To go from Operation Kid Brother to this is the yeah. <laughs> is the alpha and omega of uh, Bond movies, sort of. But, uh, but that's what makes him so much fun, yep. you know? Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, even in that one series, there's, there's just so much diversity, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Pigeon, and, pigeon, uh, double take. Pigeon yes. Double take. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hint. Hint. So anyway, again, thanks for doing the show, John. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I had a ball. Great. So everybody, go see Spectre, and uh, we will see you next week. Until then, that's a wrap. <laughs> This is the raincoat they styled for Bond. Styled for Bond by Burton. Exclusive raincoat. Styled for Bond by Burton. The James Bond 007 raincoat. Only at Burton. Burton.